Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, for it is a revisiting podcast from May 1st, 2021. Enjoy. Back to school drop-off on Thursday morning. Once I left the school parking lot, Apple Music finished playing Nirvana's territorial pissing while my bald head begged for vitamin D. With the sunroof open, the police started singing, and took me back to when I visited Nicholas J. recently. I had heard of the new tasting room and finally found time on the calendar to visit. Walking into the tasting room, I was greeted with a glass of 2019 pink vinyl rosé. Angela proceeded to take me out onto a fantastic porch-slash-balcony overlooking the property to get acquainted. She talked about how the land used to be a steer ranch of 55 acres with an acre planted back in February. She pointed toward a grouping of trees and said something of the nature of, There is a story, I can't confirm, where in the 1950s there was a bank robbery. Supposedly, these two cars are from the robbery where the drivers left the cars and proceeded to run into the woods. I did a little research, and all I could find was a little clipping regarding a robbery in the 50s. Who knows if the story is true, but the future block planted there will be called robbery. Coming back inside the tasting room, you can get a sense of newness while also being invited into the winemaker's home. With a long table positioned behind me for tastings, I was sitting in front of a fireplace with a lovely table and glasses begging for wine and attention. As Angela was pouring the 2018 unicorn wine, I began to understand a bit behind the story of Nicholas J. John Nicholas produces some exceptional Burgundy wines. There is quite the estate history starting in the early 20th century and its founder. In 1986, John Nicholas took over the estate. The estate is farmed organically, and at this time, John is not going through the certification process. J. Robert Boberg, born in 1958, founded IRS Records in 1979. IRS Records are known for discovering REM, the police, the Go-Go's, and others. In 1983, Jay sold IRS to EMI, and he headed off to Harvard to get his MBA, which led him to become president of MCA Records. Within that first year, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill was produced under the MCA label. Jagged Little Pill was released in 1995. I vividly remember this album on CD. It was played over and over while I was in the Air Force overseas deployed to Egypt. On my way to Egypt, there was a layover in Germany. I purchased Smashing Pumpkins CD, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness, and a cooler. We will not talk about the cooler, but Alanis and Smashing Pumpkins was played quite a bit during my 90 days in Egypt. After finishing the pink vinyl rosé, Angela poured me a 2018 blend of Pinot Gris and Chardonnay. If memory serves me correctly, Angela mentioned this is the last year of the unicorn with Pinot Gris being grafted over with Chardonnay. I can't say I've ever had a blend of Pinot Gris and Chardonnay before, but it was delightful to get those fruity aromatics of Pinot Gris mingled in with the crispiness of Chardonnay. Speaking of Chardonnay, Angela noticed it was time to pour the 2018 Bishop Creek Chardonnay. The Bishop Creek Vineyard is considered an estate vineyard and was purchased in 2014 while Jay and Jean were out in the valley doing their due diligence tasting fruit from multiple vineyards. It's a 17-acre parcel with mostly Pinot with two acres of Chardonnay. I enjoyed how this wine got me from the get-go with a grand entry, a wild mid-palate, and a satisfying finish. This wine will age greatly with its acidity structure aiding time in bottle for years to come. 
Angela poured me the 2015 Nicholas J. Pinot Noir and took me for a tour of the winery. Walking out of the tasting room, down the ramp, and overlooking the state-of-the-art gravity flow winemaking facility, you can see how the building used to be an old barn. Walking into the cellar was a little warmer than I expected, but it was due to fermenting still occurring, sending off all that heat. Call me weird, but there was a bunch of unwrapped barrels, typically, there on their side, filled with wine and stained. These were so pristine. The last gold nugget in the cellar was a case of the 2017 Grand Cru Corton. I may or may not have gone home with the bottle, but uh, I'm never going to tell. What was nice once we got back inside the tasting room was completing a vertical of the Nicholas J. Pinot Noir with the 2016 and the 2017. All three of them were charming, but my favorite was the 2016. I felt the fruit was darker and the entry was electrifying. After the trio of Nicholas J. Pinot Noir was a 2017 Montazi Pinot, which was one of my favorites. I had never heard of this vineyard, and in researching, it is in the McMinnville AVA near the Van Duzer Corridor. Think crisp, harsh afternoon winds. The vineyard owners, Mo and Flora Montazi, purchased 500 acres in 1997 for wheat and decided to biodynamically farm Pinot Noir on a portion of the property. The final pour was a reserve from 2018. I immensely enjoyed this pour, and what I found interesting were the outer edges of the wine had the slightest tint of purple. This is unusual for a Pinot. I enjoyed the dark, silky mid-palate. I feel with its great acidity, this will be a powerhouse in 10 plus years. As things were wrapping up, I had to take a small stroll to the deck. I imagine that when the property has more vines in the ground in five years, and the word gets out about Nicholas J., this deck will be packed. I can only imagine what club events will be like. Oh, club events. I miss these and can't wait for social events to be a thing once again. I enjoyed the visit, but over the last few weeks, I pondered a bit. Jay doesn't know how to make wine. Nicholas Jean is a winemaker, but he can't always be here in Oregon with responsibilities in Burgundy. So who is the mysterious person behind the curtain at the end of the yellow brick road? Sorry to disappoint, but there really isn't a mystery. Visiting the website, the associate winemaker is Tracy Kendall. Reading her bio is quite impressive. Born and raised outside of Seattle, Tracy fell in love with wine in her early 20s while earning a degree in anthropology from the University of Washington and working toward her master's in global health. Traveling to tasting rooms in Walla Walla, Willamette Valley, and Napa Valley, Tracy would often sneak away from her friends in search of the winemaker so that she could ask more complex winemaking questions. In 2009, Tracy worked her first harvests at Oregon's Torrymore Winery, where she learned from winemaker Jacques Tardy, a native of Burgundy. During her time at Torrymore, Tracy lived at Christum Vineyards, where she became friends with the winemaker Steve Dorner, and she helped out the Christum team with their nightly midnight punchdowns. Tracy quickly fell in love with the camaraderie and the collaborative spirit of winemaking and found that she enjoyed its constant challenge and its potential to be part of creating something enduring and special. Eager to gain as much experience as possible, she began working with Southern and Northern Hemisphere Harvest that took her to Australia, Darby Winery in Washington State, and Felton Road in Saracen Estate in New Zealand, where she worked with noted winemaker Clive Duggal. In 2011, Tracy returned home and joined winemaker David Page's team at Adelstein, 
where she spent more than four years as an onologist before leaving with David's blessing in 2014 to join Nicholas J. Today, Tracy oversees every decision that goes into making wines at Nicholas J. As a winemaker, this is a dream come true, adds Tracy. Not only am I making Pinot Noir from the finest vineyards in Oregon, I'm doing so side by side with one of the world's great Pinot Noir winemakers. And what makes it even more special is that it is so collaborative. It's never about ego. It's always about the vineyards, the grapes, and the wines. When Tracy was asked, what was your favorite beverage to drink during harvest? Can you guess what it is? Here you go. Beer, beer, and more beer. In all serious, beer does become quite a staple during harvest. While normally I'm a fan of super hoppy Northwest IPAs, I find harvest requires a lighter, more refreshing ale. Something that you can drink and finish before you fall asleep after a long day. In two key words, shower beer. There isn't a lot of time after a day of harvesting, so killing two birds with one stone makes for a nice ending. I highly recommend visiting Nicholas J, and I'm usually ooing and aahing over a winery being a husband and wife team or something that catches my attention. But my visit on every single level was solid, even though it isn't family rant. The tasting room gave off a warm ambience. Angela went overboard to make sure everything was perfect. The wines were all solid. You know what I'm going to say next. When you make a reservation, let Angela know AJ sent you.